Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Rumblings, Podcast 160. This time I talk about The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I've played Dark Souls 2 a bit more, so I have a few more thoughts on that. But that's really all I have this time, but hopefully you'll enjoy the show. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches feet just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Lives in blood. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes the Spider-Man. I don't have a whole lot of notes for Amazing Spider-Man 2, nor do I have a lot to say because it's mostly action and I don't want to spoil pretty much anything for anybody who's going to go see it, so there's not really a whole lot left for me to talk about. It is rated PG-13, and I think that's very appropriate. There is kind of a lot of mass destruction in some scenes, but for the most part, whenever there is action and there's danger, Spider-Man is shown, you know, saving all the people, so we don't see anybody actually injured or hurt. So I do think that PG-13 rating is probably very accurate for what's going on. I don't think any little ones would be bothered by any of the stuff that goes on, unlike other movies like, you know, Iron Man, which is super violent in the beginning parts. I would have no reservations about saying this is probably okay for little ones to go see, which you probably don't want really little ones to see, but I think PG-13 is probably right on the money. The movie mostly revolves around the story of the origin of Electro, and Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin. Electro is actually one of the more prominent early Spider-Man villains, but because this version of him is so completely different in terms of how he looks, I didn't recognize him at first. Those of you who are familiar with Spider-Man might know the character more by his fairly ridiculously looking green and gold outfit with sort of the big lightning bolts coming out of his head. And that's that's who I know. So if you would have said Electro and showed me that picture, I'd been like, oh, that guy, okay, I know that guy. But just by the name, I, I didn't recognize him at all. They did an amazing job on his new look, and he's actually even got kind of a costume in parts of the movie. And it's a very cool, updated new costume. So that is very cool. I liked it quite a bit. The special effects are completely amazing. I would say probably most of the movie is special effects. There are some scenes actually in Oscorp that are, you know, not special effects, they're sets. But a lot of the movie does take place, you know, with Spider-Man flying around, or there's combat with Spider-Man and Electro, or there's, you know, various other things happening. So there's quite a bit of special effects, and they all look really awesome. I saw it in IMAX 3D, and I would absolutely highly recommend 3D... Uh, in whichever form you can get it in, local to you. Because again, so much of the movie is taking place with Spider-Man zipping around, or there's combat and there's a lot of motion because Electro kind of flies around, that the 3D really adds a lot of depth and a lot of, can't think of how to say it besides coolness, to the combat and the shot sequences. So I would highly recommend you go see it in 3D if you can see 3D, and if it you know, is available in your area. 
the music was pretty good, though it didn't really stand out as, oh my god, this is amazing music. You know, it was a music, it worked. There were some modern choices I didn't really agree with, but Sony was kind of heavily branding everything. Every computer that was in there had a shot that said Sony. There was a lot of Sony ads in the background, and it wouldn't surprise me if the music tracks they used were popular Sony artists. So that's why I I probably wouldn't quite agree with some of the choices. Because, I don't know, for me, in superhero movies, it's more an instrumental kind of thing. It's not really a pop artist kind of thing. There's only a few tracks that really stood out, but they did feel a little odd. And in one scene, Peter Parker puts on some headphones and he listens to a song, and it feels really kind of forced. It doesn't feel natural to the movie. So I kind of disagreed with Sony's over-branding in the movie. But I guess, you know, that kind of makes sense because it was probably a ridiculously expensive movie to make. All of the acting in the movie from all the characters was really good. I really liked it. There wasn't anything I would disagree with in terms of what the characters did or how they acted. Looking up some of the character backgrounds and story backgrounds online after seeing the movie, all of it did fit in line with previous lines of stories from the Spider-Man comics. So if you're a fan, you should be happy with that. A few things did get rearranged in terms of timeline. They took sort of a bit of a story over here, a bit of a story over here, and kind of put them together. But they were, you know, pre-existing storylines. So it all kind of made sense, and it seemed to flow really, really well. The movie is like two and a half hours long or something pretty ridiculous like that. But it actually seemed to go by really quickly. There weren't any parts that seemed overly slow. I mean, there were slower parts, you know, not action-y parts between, you know, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy or Peter Parker and and May. But they didn't feel overly slow or like, you know, they didn't belong there because they were slowing the movie down in any way. Everything flowed really well, and it moved quite easily between action and, you know, non-action scenes. There were a few cool details that I don't recall other Spider-Man movies doing quite as well as this one. There were a few times where he had the Spidey sense, And they didn't make a big deal out of it, though, you know, fans of Spider-Man would know that's what that was. So they portrayed that really well. One thing I would warn people about is Spider-Man in general tends to be a little bit more goofy of a superhero. He's got sort of a smart-alecky kind of sense of humor, and he doesn't take himself too seriously. And those who are fans of Spider-Man knows, you know, that's how he deals with, you know, his situation. So if you're looking for sort of a more serious comic book movie. This this absolutely is not it. You probably want to look at Thor or Iron Man. Spider-Man tends to be like the most silly, not so serious superhero movies. But you know, that's par for the course for Spider-Man. That's not anything really unusual. My only disappointment in the movie is that Rhino actually gets a really, really small part. He was featured kind of prominently in a few scenes in the trailers. So it kind of makes it seem like he would be around a lot more. But he's actually sort of just like this little side thing. that's kind of more of a teaser than anything else. So that was kind of disappointing because his new suit looks just absolutely incredible. And they could have done quite a bit more with it. I think though it's probably more of a setup for the next film than it is anything else. Looking up on the wiki they do have two more films coming. So I'm guessing that's probably more of a lead-in to the third movie in the series than it is, you know, an actual showing off of who Rhino is. 
We do get a little bit of his origin as well, though, so that's kind of cool. It's a lot of action and a lot of fun. I would highly recommend it. So I would say go see it in theaters while it's still in theaters. If you can see 3D, I would say go see it in 3D. IMAX 3D if you have the option. And I'd say, you know, if you can afford it and you're into that kind of thing, get some popcorn or some other snacks because it is pretty lighthearted and fun action-y movie. And I liked it quite a bit. So there's not much new to say about Dark Souls 2. I'm still kind of really on the fence about it. I decided to go ahead and restart uh, probably like a sixth time by now. Because part of the mechanics of, you know, the death system they have in place is that each time you die, a little bit of your health goes away in terms of your maximum health. And I think that continues until you get to 50% of your maximum. At which point you can use one of these special items, of which there are a very limited number. And you'll go back to, you know, having your full health bar. So in previous playthroughs, I just kept burning it down and kept building it back up. And so I burnt through all those that I had access to pretty quickly. So I figured I'd, you know, start over and use those very, very sparingly knowing that, you know, most of the time I can get by with, you know, half my health. Because, like, once you know the bad guy's pattern, they become kind of almost trivial. I've played probably 25 to 30 hours now, I would guess. It always kind of bothers me that Steam doesn't actually keep track of it. If you're online, it it keeps track of it just fine, but if you play offline, it'll track that one session... And then when you quit out of Steam, it'll just forget. So it's like, why doesn't it just add it up and then add it to your online time and have an actual total? I don't understand. So I don't actually know my total hours. But at this point, in my current restart of the game, I got to where I'd gotten before, pretty much in about like one and a half hours. So I'm barely into the game in terms of content. But it's like, now that I know all that starting area, those sort of starter guys all seem really, really super trivial. I can get through, and it is actually really difficult for me to die now because I know the patterns, I know where they spawn, I know the layouts, I know where to go. So it's more of a memorization thing than anything else right now. So I'm still kind of on the fence. I still sort of want to keep seeing more of the game get to new areas, get to higher levels, get better equipment, you know, see how the game progresses and learn, you know, more about the story of what's going on. And yet at the same time, even though the lesser minion bad guys are really trivial to me now, the second boss is just really insanely hard for me. I tried fighting him in my previous game for like, I don't know, probably six or seven hours, and I just repeatedly kept dying. It's like I know theoretically how to beat him, but it's like 
you know, you got to jump at this time and jump at this time and do this at that time. And it's like, oh my God. It's like the trivial guys are like difficulty three by the time you get used to them. And then the boss is like difficulty 10. And if he hits you, you know, I've seen different people post different levels that they beat him at, but seems like the general consensus is level doesn't really matter. He's going to kill you in like two or three shots, no matter what level you are. So they're all like ridiculously overpowered. So I don't know. I haven't faced him with my most recent game yet. But if I can't get past him easily, I I might just quit playing. Because I don't know, it, it doesn't seem very fun to have this thing that's so incredibly hard. And then once you know how to beat it, it's just like incredibly easy. Like the first boss in my most recent playthrough, I learned how to beat him, you know, last time, obviously, because I got past him. And it took me like 10 or 20 tries to get past him the first time I beat him. But then this playthrough, I think it took me three. And two of those were because of stupid camera poop that, you know, the camera was being stupid and it wasn't moving right. And it's like, what the crap? He shouldn't have hit me at that angle. So I probably could have done it in one if the camera wasn't being stupid. So I don't know. I'm still on the fence. I still want to see more of the game. I still want to see what all the fuss is about. But this crazy difficulty slash overly easy once you know how to beat things aspect. I don't know. I still really don't get it. I mean, I get it from, uh, you know, this is super hardcore and you have to learn it and you have to do it exactly right kind of aspect. But I don't know if that's really something that appeals to me anymore. I mean, yeah, you know, like 30 years ago when that's how every game on the planet was, sure, you know, that was the thing to do. But now it's like, I don't know, sure, it's a rare thing, but is it really interesting and fun? I don't know. I'm still on the fence about it. I don't think it's really all that fun as a mechanic. So... Pretty much, you know, what is beyond that is what's keeping me interested in the game. So I don't know. I will let people know if I keep playing or if I do just stop playing and go back to playing things that I find much more fun or things that are coming in the future pretty much just a few weeks from now. So there is a little bit of new news this time. Wildstar has announced they are having an open beta from the 8th to the 18th. So that's happening already. And you can just apparently go to their website, ask for an open beta invite key, and then just log right in. So if you were wanting to check it out, you have a 10-day window. A little bit less if you're picking up this podcast on the weekend or after that. But that should be, you know, plenty of time for you to get a peek and see if it might be something that might interest you or if the action-y combat just isn't for you. So if you were thinking about picking it up at launch, I would highly recommend you do that. Check out how the action-y combat works. See if you like it. 
It is quite a bit different than other games. I would recommend if you can, you know, any amount of play is pretty much a good sample, but I would kind of highly recommend you get to about level 15. So by then, you know, you should have a good sample of do you like the game overall? Do you like the characters? Do you like, you know, various classes? And you'll have a sample of, you know, a few group quests which are two-player or three-player kind of things. So you'll have some idea of how sort of grouping could happen. If you actually go all the way to 15, you get to your first adventure, which I honestly don't really like the first adventure. It's usually run really fast and really crazy, and you're like, what the poop is going on, and you're really confused. If you get to 20, you'll get to your first actual dungeon, which is really kind of hardcore, old-school-style dungeon. You know, expect to spend, like, three hours, I would guess, in there doing it. It's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be quick. But it certainly, you know, for free, would give you a good sample of would you like to do dungeoning in this kind of environment or not. The beta will apparently let you go to level 30. So I believe that gives you access to a couple of different dungeons, as well as... I think the website said like three different adventures. So that's like a ton of content for people to check out. I don't know if that's a sign that maybe they're worried their pre-sale numbers aren't as high as they'd hoped. But it's out there, so you can check it out if you are interested. Godzilla is coming out on May 16th. Wolfenstein, the new order, is due out on May 20th. I've actually been on the fence about that one for quite a while. As regular listeners might know, I've mentioned here and there that I don't like sort of realistic, modernish combat. But I've decided for a few different reasons I think I'll be okay with this one. First, it's not really realistic in the sense that it's very obviously, you know, a video game because it's set in an alternate world and it's set in an alternate time and there's different technologies. So, you know, in that regards, it's about as realistic as, you know, something like Bioshock. And the thing that really kind of put me over the fence on it was there was a video that showed you can play two different styles. You can play as stealth and just move around to do sort of minimal amount of, I guess you could say, just open fighting. Or you can go full out, you know, classic Wolfenstein style and just shoot up the place everywhere you go you know, and have, like, maximum conflict. So that option for stealth really kind of got my interest, and it's like, yeah, this looks really interesting. I really like the option of, you know, being able to stealth and do sort of minimal conflict approach. So I'm hoping it doesn't turn out like Rage, and it isn't like, you know, four or six hours and you're done kind of thing. I'll be very, very sad if that turns out to be the case. Because it is made by the same people that made Rage, so I am quite a bit worried about that. I suppose reviews should come out, you know, a few days before launch, so if they are saying, you know, we got pretty final copy and it only took us six hours to beat it, I'll be like, okay, cancel this puppy real fast. But we'll see. It should be out in a few weeks, and I'll let everybody know my thoughts on it when I pick it up. X-Men... Days of Future Past is due out on the 23rd. 
and Watch Dogs is due out on the 27th. I've been kind of on the fence about this one as well. I was really excited about it when it first debuted at E3, I think it was. I said, oh, that looks like a really cool and interesting game. Then I saw some other stuff about it that said it was one of those open world, go anywhere, do anything kind of games. And I'm like, you know, historically those aren't the kind of games I tend to pick up. You know, they're kind of the thing I'll rent on a weekend if I've got absolutely nothing else to play. So I kind of lost interest there for a while. But in recent times, I saw another video that showed, you know, this player was sort of indirectly doing sort of PvP with him because one player picked up a contract to hack the other player. So it's like this player was trying to hack this other player, the other player was trying to find them, and then they got into a chase. That seemed kind of interesting to me. I like that aspect. They also showed sort of a multiplayer adventure where it was one group of players against another group of players, and they were trying to grab some data. And I, I don't expect I'll be super into these multiplayer aspects But those added to a review I saw that said the driving was much less troublesome than it is in some of these games. And in those other games, I tend to really hate the driving. I tend to be kind of bad at it, and so it makes me just go bleh when I have to do it. But since the reviewer said, you know, it wasn't that bad, you could avoid it and do other things, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and pre-order it. And there was a gift... uh, friend from a long, 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 long time ago got me called Just Cause 2. Kind of an older game. I think it came out a few years ago. But it is one of those open world, do anything, blow everything up, do ridiculous stuff kind of game. And at first I was kind of like, I I don't really get this. I don't really like it. I'm not that into it. But the more I played it and the more I accepted the sort of over-the-top ridiculousness of it, the more I actually got into it. And it's been Kind of that standby game, I guess you could say, where I go back to it when I want to have some fun and I don't want to take things too seriously. And it is sort of like Far Cry 3 as well in the open world nature. So those two are reasons why I decided to go ahead and pick up Watch Dogs. Because if they were like either of those, you know, I like those games. You know, I historically have not liked the open world things, but, you know, Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon and now, you know, Just Cause 2 were quite a bit of fun. I I do like them, so I definitely decided to, you know, go ahead and pick up Watch Dogs, assuming, you know, it would be sort of a similar kind of fun. And again, I'll give people my thoughts about it when it does. And that's it for the news. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned So I guess that's it for this week's Rabbit's Rumblings podcast. No Pirate's Treasure? Had kind of a cold lately, so I'm feeling kind of bleh, probably sound a little bit off too. But I guess that's it for this time, and hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye.
The Movely... Movely? What? Can't think of how to say it besides coolness to the combat and the shot sequences. So I would highly recommend and recommend Gaga. Holy hole in a donut! You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbits ramblings dot html. When you type rabbits ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit dot com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit dot com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2014 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.